0: All right, we're in Jonah, Old Testament book. I can't wait to get into this with you guys. If you're new and you're like, Old Testament, oh my gosh, and you're intimidated, don't worry. This is going to be a really exciting and accessible entry point. Uh, In Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 to 3, listen to these words. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. And Jonah did exactly what God said he should do. (laughs) No, no, maybe you can relate to Jonah right here. But Jonah ran away from the Lord. Yeah, that's in the Bible. Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port And after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. I picked this book because it is probably the most accessible Old Testament prophet book in the Bible. Because who can't relate to struggling with God? Who can't relate to having doubts or disappointments and wanting to run from God? And I just think there's a little Jonah in all our hearts whether you're not a believer and you're just here kind of wrestling this thing out with God, or you're a lifelong Christian, there are going to come moments in all of our lives where we struggle with what God and his word has to say to us. And I think that is so encouraging. Some of us, we don't want to admit it, but for those of us who are honest with ourselves, I think that is a great comfort and a welcoming open door for all of us to bring our doubts, our struggles with God. And to be honest, So let me pray for us. Lord, we come before you this morning, before your word, and we pray, help us to see the ways in which we are tempted to run from you and to hear your invitation to come home to your grace and truth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Thank you, everyone. Go ahead and grab a seat. Um, If you haven't gotten your book yet, I want to encourage you to grab one. This is something we do once a year. We won't do this again until next fall. And um, we stand as a way of recognizing what we're about to hear is something special. We're hearing what we as followers of Jesus believe is the word of God. We do believe that. We do believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God. That it is a revelation of God's heart and nature and of our nature and our purpose in life. But secondly, um, we also print this. Because once a year, we want to give focused attention in a special way by making it beautiful, accessible, and easy to invite somebody to join us with. So I want to encourage you, if you're here this morning, and there's somebody in your life who is not here, maybe you want to get this book for them and say, hey, won't you join me and learn about God's big, huge heart for the world and for you? God has a heart. He has a heart for you. You tell them that. And I want you, what, what if you came and learned about that heart that God has for you? Um, I want to encourage you to use this book. And uh, I think it's also a great way to get us off our devices during service. Yeah, (laughs) come on. So I want to walk you through a little bit of history of Jonah so you can get into it, understand what we're talking about. I know some of you guys have never been through the Old Testament. So I want to introduce you, right? We're going to kind of put our toes in the water, get our bearing on it. And then we're going to, you're going to find that despite all this history and it's so old and blah, 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 it is the most relatable and accessible prophet in the Old Testament. I can't wait for you to discover that. But let's start with Jonah, the book. Um, It's a prophetic book means it's a part of these groups of, of letters that are written by prophets revealing God's word to his people. And he's um, it's, it's a part of what we call the minor prophets. There are minor and major prophets. This is like the JV team. They haven't quite made varsity yet with Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. I'm joking. Um, they're minor. Yeah, in part because they're shorter, they're smaller. So the way they would organize all these prophetic Writings was in one big scroll. So in the old days, like thousands of years ago, you'd roll out the scroll and would all be in there together or in one book. Um, But here are the twelve minor prophets. You can see Joel or Jonah, I'm sorry, is third from the top. So Jonah is one of the earliest minor prophets. Okay, let's go to the next slide. Now This is where the minor prophets, you can see over here, upper right, fits in the history of Israel. Don't be intimidated. There's a lot of information here. But here we got Abraham, Moses, and David. Now, David was, um, you know, you have Saul, but Saul was the first king of Israel. He didn't do so well. David showed up, and man, he really got things going. He handed his throne off to his son Solomon, probably the pinnacle, the zenith of Israel's history. And then after Solomon, things started falling apart. And we get here, the civil war that really broke up the nation of Israel into two different regions. We have the Northern Kingdom and the Southern Kingdom. I'm reading a book um, uh, about Abraham Lincoln. It's crazy to think that almost happened to our country, isn't it? Literally the South voted in a president of the Confederate States of America. Isn't that crazy? Did you know that? Maybe you don't know your history. You forgot that we actually, at one point in history, had two presidents. That's weird. Well, that's what happened to Israel, the northern kingdom, the southern kingdom. Uh, And we have here the minor prophets. And so they are prophesying and speaking God's word during a very turbulent, divided period of time in Israel's history. Now, Jonah sits right here. You remember he was third from the top. So right here, At the very beginning of the Minor Prophets is Jonah. Jonah is prophesying right up to the point where the northern kingdom ends. So you can see the line ends right here. And that's because in 722 uh, BC, Assyria, and that's important, Assyria sacks the northern kingdom and deports most of their people and lays waste to the region. And uh, that's important because Assyria's capital is Nineveh, which is what we are reading about in Jonah. It's important to know that when God tells Jonah, go to Nineveh, these guys in 38 years are gonna lay waste to the Northern Kingdom. They are an immediate, yeah, hold that right there. They are an immediate threat to Israel. This is, we got a technical, we got a a gifted artist to draw this for us. (laughs) A special commissioning. And uh, yeah, Assyria for a hundred years had been stealing Israel's lunch money. By the time Jonah shows up, literally, Assyria had been taxing uh, and intimidating Israel. They were known for their really intense uh, torture tactics. I'll spare you the gruesome details. Maybe we'll come back to it later. But they would really, really mess people up in really graphic and gory ways to send a message, don't mess with us. It was an intimidation tactic. And so Israel has felt the heat and the presence of Assyria for over a hundred years. So when God sends Jonah there, it is crazy. This is crazy talk, God. Now, Nineveh is a... um, an established and significant power in the region at the time. Um, They were already on the rise in that region and had a formidable presence. So they were an immediate, clear, present danger to Israel. And so that kind of charges this whole moment with a lot of energy that we'll talk about today. Um, but I don't want the history to intimidate you guys. Okay, that's a lot of great history. Don't, we're not in history class today, but it's gonna give you context to understand Jonah's reaction. And that's where it gets really relatable. I, I wanna read it to you again because I think you're gonna find yourself in Jonah. Listen to this. So the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, go to the great city of Nineveh. Yeah, those people that have been oppressing your people and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. So in this moment, this is like a sociopolitical moment for Jonah. He's asking to engage something that is highly political and to engage a situation that would have put him in disfavor with his countrymen. And we'll talk about that as well. Why would that have been such a hard thing for him to do? And Jonah runs away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish and the literal translation here in the Hebrew is to run away. When it says he ran away from the Lord, there's the Hebrew word panay. And it literally means God's face or translated God's presence. So to run away from God in this moment, to run away from God's word was to run away from God's presence. And so he runs and he gets on a ship. Let's go to the map to get as far away as from God as possible. Here he is. He's over here in Jerusalem. It's 500 miles to Nineveh. He goes up to Joppa and he tries to go all the way 2,500 miles away. He is like, No way, God, I'm out of (laughs) here. And it brings up a really important point for us. And I want to highlight this idea because this is the overarching idea. Check this out. Here's an observation. Before God can get a breakthrough in Nineveh, he's got to get a breakthrough in Jonah. Do you see what I'm saying? Because you're not going to hear about Nineveh again until chapter three. It's mentioned once right here. And then the whole thing about God wanting to reach Nineveh disappears because God is chasing Jonah. And I think that says something significant about the way God works in our world and the way he works through us. I really believe that God wants to bring renewal to our world. I really believe that God wants to bring renewal to our world, to our community. He wants to bring renewal to our city, to our, our family, our friends who don't yet know Jesus. But it begins with us. And before God can bring renewal to the world around us, he's got to reach us first and renew our life. Now that's an interesting message because I think it's easy as believers to think, God, your mission is out there, but God's mission has to start here because we're not gonna hear about Nineveh until chapter three. And the way the book ends is with God wrestling with Jonah. So God wants to reach Nineveh with Jonah, but God first, you can see, is trying to reach Jonah through his mission with Nineveh. And that's true for you and me. Now, some of us are, I think all of us can relate to running from God, but for different reasons. Some of us are running from God, like, I don't want anything to do with God in the Christian church. And maybe you're here because someone bribed you or tricked you. You know, they told you they were taking you to have some of the best coffee in Carlsbad. And next thing you know, you're rolled up at a church. You're like, what am I doing here? Others of us are running from God, even though we're believers in ways that maybe Jonah needs to bring to light for us. Now, it introduces a really important tension that Jonah is experiencing. And Jonah is like a mirror to us. And I want to highlight that. The tension is this. It's the tension that we experience between God's compassion for the world and the conviction that comes with his truth. It's the idea of his grace and truth, his mercy, and a word that's not super popular, but is super important, his wrath. Do you remember his wrath? I've talked about this before. God's wrath is his hate for evil in the world. Aren't you glad that God hates evil in the world? That is what his wrath is about. Wrath is the word the Bible used to describe God's hate of evil and darkness that is in our world, the injustice that's in our world, the sickness and the disease that is ravaging our lives and the lives of our loved ones. God hates it. That is why the Bible has that word wrath. It is God's attitude towards evil. And it also describes the energizing dynamic force in him as he moves to free the world from that evil. But there's a tension for us, isn't there? In the world, as God sends us out with compassion, how do we hold to God's truth in it? Because in this passage, in just one line, look at this. This one line real quick, verse two, go to that great city of Nineveh because of its wickedness. In that one line is the tension I'm talking about. When he says, Jonah, go, that's God's compassion because God would not be sending Jonah if he didn't have the intention of redeeming Nineveh. Right, well, why why send Jonah just to tell him they're messed up when he could just bring judgment? But because he's sending Jonah, he wants Nineveh to be warned so that they can realign with him. But he's also calling out the truth about Nineveh. There is wickedness and evil in that city that God's confronting. And that's true on how God looks at humanity. He sees both the evil in the world and in our own hearts. But it's his compassion also that can be threatening. The way that God mobilizes and sends us to be his agents of renewal in our world. And so it gets us to this tension. And I want to highlight the tension that we feel when we come close to God. Look at these, I made a list of a couple areas we might feel tension as we come up with God. As we get to know God, maybe there's different points of tension you experience with God. For example, what is God doing with all the evil in the world? Have you ever felt that? Like, where is God with all the evil in the world? Or maybe this tension. Why doesn't God put evil people in their place? If there's a real God, why does he let them run around and feels like they're just doing whatever they want to do? Or how about this one? Why does the Bible have to talk about God's wrath and anger? Or what about all the hypocrisy and evil in the church? Or what about this one? Why does the Bible insist on us reaching out to others? Can't God just do it himself? It's like my kids, right? When I tell them to go do the dishes or go do the trash, can't you do it, dad? No, literally straight up. Can't you do it? I'm like, well, yes, I could, but I need to, build character into you. And I want to watch my favorite show. <laughs> but seriously, we get like that with God. God, why send us? Why don't you do it? So Jonah is not a model believer. Here's it is: he's not a model believer, but he is a safe harbor for the doubts, the disappointments and the resistance we have with God. And I'm hoping that if you look at Jonah, it'll help us see where we are running from God ourselves. And that gets us to the focus. Here's what I want to talk about what it means for us to be, run, to be running from God's word and God's will in our life, the ways we run from his word in our life and run from his will, just like Jonah. And I wanna start with God's word because that's what shows up in the book first. The very beginning is the word of the Lord. And I wanna talk about the way that we interact with God's word. Look at this, verse one, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Now, the Hebrew word or the Hebrew for that phrase right there, the word of the Lord, let's go to the next slide, is the Hebrew word dabar. And it means message, promise, or command. Now, what I love about this is it addresses something that's really, really a big deal for us as believers. We believe that God speaks to people today and that God reveals his truth to us which is a big deal, right? Because maybe you've wondered, where's God in the world? What is my purpose for existing? How do I understand what really life is all about? Well, we believe that God is revealing that truth to us. And he does it in a couple of ways. Number one, he reveals his truth through nature. Number two, he reveals his truth through the Bible. We believe that the Bible or the word of God is more than just a bunch of fables or myths. It's not fables or myths. It is God's revelation of truth to know his heart, to know who he is, and to know why we exist. And then, thirdly, he reveals his truth through our reasoning, our rational capacity. Our minds are an organ of understanding and interpreting God's truth to make sense of it. And then fourthly, his Holy Spirit. These four things I want to highlight. God reveals his truth through nature, the Bible, reason, and the Holy Spirit. Now, the barrier for most of us is, I'm going to guess, if God speaks to us, how can we know if God's really speaking? Have you ever wondered that? Have you ever wondered, how can I really know it's God? Because people use the idea that God is speaking in ways that can be misleading and for their own agenda. Have you ever seen that happen? I'll give you an example. I worked with college students for 20 years. I got lots of practice. I remember one time this gal telling me that she was absolutely convinced that my roommate, my best friend, was going to be her husband. And they were getting married. She was adamant. She's like, Ryan, I won't tell him because I don't want to make him uncomfortable. But I was praying and God told me he's going to be my husband. I was like, well, I wouldn't recommend you tell that to too many people. But okay, I kind of already knew my friend. I already knew he was not attracted to her interested in her, that he had his interests elsewhere. But she was convinced, it doesn't matter what I see. And she was really convinced that God was going to work it out and bring her around, bring him around up until the day that he was actually getting married to another person. It was his wedding day. And she was like, I know God's going to turn it around. I don't know how he's going to do it, but he's going to intervene. And I was just like cringing. Gosh, girl, you've got to let it go. And sure enough, he married the person he had intended to marry. And you know what? In the end, it was for her good because she ended up falling in love and meeting another guy who was the man of her dreams. And she's a, an amazing person, a missionary. But it goes to show we can have experiences where we think God's speaking and we're, we're wrong those moments could make us doubt that God does speak at all, but clearly God does speak. And that's what's happening. to you know, The issue with Jonah, no, Jonah is not, did God speak? It's what he's saying. Notice. Okay. I want to point your attention back to the passage. The word of the Lord came to Jonah and then Jonah argued with God. No. And then Jonah debated with God. No. It just says the word of the Lord came to Jonah and Jonah ran the other way. There's no debate. There's no wondering, God, is this you talking to me? There's no discernment. It's instantly he knows it's God, but he runs from God. Now, why is that important? I'll point out something here. I think it's not just we're wondering if God speaks to us or has he spoken, but I think the biggest challenge is when we know that God is speaking to us and we don't like what he's saying. Now, I think that's the hardest thing with God. See, my kids love to play this game. You know, I'll ask them to do a chore and they play this game. Oh, I didn't hear you, dad. What? You told me? Yeah, I said it three times and you heard me. And I'm like, and they're like, no, I thought you said go do this. No, they, so they play that I didn't hear you game. Ever heard that one? <laughs> I didn't hear you. Um... Sometimes they pretend like they don't know how to do what you're asking them to do. I I didn't know how to take the trash out. I didn't know if you wanted me to tie it or which trash can it goes in. And I wasn't even sure which trash can was full that you wanted me to take out. So I kind of decided to wait until you got home. Right? Ever heard that one? But then, come on. The truth is, we don't want to take the trash out. And so we find ways to play dumb. But the worst part is when we know what the truth is, what God is asking, and we don't like what he's saying. Now, God's word reveals his truth. Now, I want to point to a specific facet of his truth that his word speaks to, his moral truth. Can you just say that with me? Moral truth. The idea, the notion that there is absolute truth about right and wrong, about sin and what is righteous, what is good and what is evil. See, the Bible actually teaches that there is absolute truth. What makes absolute truth both an amazing gift and also a nightmare? I wanna speak to both for a minute. The nightmare of absolute truth is that someone's gonna use it for their own purpose and bind us to an absolute truth because it's God's truth. But really it's about them doing what we want them to do. Have you ever seen that happen? And that's kind of what was going on for my friend. So I counseled her, don't tell him you heard that from God. If it's from God, it's going to work itself out. You don't want to bring, God said, you're my husband. Because you might be using God to get what you want for yourself. And you don't, we don't just do that with these kind of prophetic words. We might even do that with scripture, right? We might use the Bible in ways to get people just to do what we want them to do. And we've maybe experienced that. And that's what people maybe mean by the weaponizing of truth. When we talk about absolute truth, people are afraid that it's really just human beings using God to get people to do what they want and to control people and certainly there's examples of that in history, isn't there? But there's a the gift of absolute truth as it is from God. There is absolutely in scripture from God teaching about what is good and what is evil. And the gift of absolute truth is the freedom that we're not left to do live our lives with the best we can. The Bible has this idea of people just doing what is right in their own eyes. It's a phrase in the Old Testament. And the Old Testament paints a picture of human life when people are just doing what's right in their own eyes. You see, that's not a 21st century progressive invention. It's actually really old, right? We could look back and we could call it the dark ages too. Periods where people were just doing what was right in their own eyes. And so the Bible presents truth in a way that cuts against our sense of truth. And that's where the tension comes. Are you with me? When God calls something evil that we call good, man, that's hard. When God calls something good that we don't trust and don't feel comfortable with, man, those are the hard moments. That's actually where Jonah's at. We don't know why Jonah runs, but we do know this. He doesn't like what he hears. Can you think of some moments right now? Let's just get personal for a minute. Can we get real? That's what we're going to do in this series. We're going to get real. Step back from Jonah. Let's look at our own hearts. Have you ever had a moment where you read something in the Bible and you didn't like it? Come on. Oh, Come on now you think Pastor Ryan, no, pastors would never do that. I would never do that. I love God. But let's be honest. I love my wife. She is the love of my life. But I can tell you right now, she does not like everything I do. I can tell you right now, she does not like everything I do. It doesn't mean you don't love God to admit there are areas of the Bible that you don't like and you struggle with. That's what's so great about Jonah. Jonah runs, but what does God do? Jonah runs, but what does God do? Yeah. And I think he chases after him. And I think the book of Jonah makes a safe place for us to bring our doubts, our disappointments. And it shows us that there's room with God for our doubts, our questions, and our disappointments. And if we'll let him, he'll lead us through them. But we've got to do it with God. I want to give you some examples here. Let's put some up. Let's go to the next slide with the uh, the list. Can you think of an area where God's word has offended you or is offending you? Number one, I'll throw out a couple from my own experiences in the past. How about the notion of God's wrath, judgment, and hell? Does that ever bother you? The idea of people being eternally separated from God, does that not make you uncomfortable? Don't you just wish you could take all that out of the Bible? Boom, just remove it all? Ever wanted to do that? I'm looking at you. I'm like wondering, seriously, have you not ever, known? one? Okay, good. You guys have got that one figured out. Uh, that God allows trials for growing our faith. You know, the idea that God actually allows pain into our life. Couldn't God just stop all the pain from ever happening? But James, we studied that book, actually teaches that God uses trials. How about this? The sexual ethics and boundaries with how we express ourselves. Oh, now we're getting sensitive, right? Oh, now we're kind of getting too close. Or how about the next one? The call to forgive and love those who have hurt us most, right? The love of enemies or the roles of men and women in the church. Okay, can you think of anything in the Bible that has offended you or made you uncomfortable? I want you to bring it to mind. The greatest challenge is receiving God's truth once it's clear to us. And here's the point that I'm making with Jonah. I think the assumption for some of us can be that if I know God's truth, I'll accept it. But what I love about Jonah, Jonah's not debating, God, is this you? He's saying, God, I don't like you. Listen, to run from God's word meant that he was running from God's presence himself. And that's a challenge that we all probably experience. Where is that for you? Where has God's truth put, come, put you at odds with the values in the world or the values in your own life that you cling tightly to. Okay, I'll give you one example. For me, when I was a new believer, I was just a new Christian, right? Just starting to follow Jesus, and this was mine. I read in the Bible, John 14, six. Jesus said this, look at this one right here. John 14, six. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Let's read this out loud together. No one comes to the Father except through me. I read that, and that made me instantly uncomfortable because instantly I was thinking about my family and my friends, my loved ones who did not know Jesus. And right there, I saw the exclusive claim of Christ as the revelation of God. And that apart from him, a person cannot come to know the Father. And there's no way to the Father apart from him. Does that not make you a little uncomfortable? Doesn't that sound a bit biased and prejudiced and narrow-minded? gosh, how could this Jesus that seems to be embracing the entire world say that it's only through him? And it made me really uncomfortable about my family. And I struggled with that teaching. And it made me want to avoid it wherever it came up in the New Testament. And these are the ways we run from God's word. We maybe don't throw the Bible away, but we start ignoring those sections as they come up in scripture. We start, oh, I'll just skim that section really fast, you know? When it comes up in conversation, we avoid it. Or we decide, well, the Bible's not really God's word. It's a mishmash of people, of human writing and God's word. And it's all mixed up. You can't really tell what's God and human. We start questioning whether or not it really is God's word because it makes us uncomfortable. Just like my kid going, oh, I didn't really hear you say, take out the trash. I thought you said, take a nap and watch TV. I love that Jonah runs because God chases him and it makes space for Jonah's doubts. Where is that? Where do you need that in your life? I want to move to God's will, verse two. So God's word and God's will. Verse two says, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it. Now, I want to talk about this because this is different. It's not just the truth of God. Hey, there's evil in Nineveh. I see evil there. Because Jonah probably felt like, yeah, about time, God. I've been seeing that forever. Thanks, you know, welcome to the party. But now watch what God says here. Go to, go to. Let's just read it out loud together. Ready? Go to, hard stop, go. In the Hebrew, there's actually, in the Hebrew text, there's actually a word before go. It's the word arise. Let's go to the next slide. Yeah, right here. Arise. It's this Hebrew word, kum. It means to rise, to stand up. And it puts urgency in this call. God is saying, yeah, I see the evil out there, but Jonah, I want to send you. Now, this is important because the idea that God wants to send Jonah is more than a truth. It's a call. God doesn't just speak to us. He sends us. And this gets to God's will. God's will is about what does God want to do about his truth? So there's God's truth and there's what God wants to do through us. That's his will. And that gets to God's compassion and the problem of God's compassion. Has God's compassion ever been a problem for you? Has God's love ever been a problem? Maybe you feel, I'll give you an example where you might feel it. You might feel it here on Sunday morning when I say, hey, turn and greet somebody you don't know. Do you get that little feeling? Like, I don't want to talk to anybody. (laughs) I'm having a bad morning. I don't want to greet anybody. I want to, I just come to church to sit by myself and be in my own space. Ever felt that? Come on. Have you ever felt a moment where you are just not in the mood to be God's compassion and warmth to another human being? Then you haven't had kids if you can't (laughs) relate. Sometimes they come in your room at midnight and they need some compassion. It's like, you know what? We will, you know, (laughs) we'll take care of your nightmare tomorrow morning. Trusting God's will is about going with God where his truth takes us. It's easy to believe in God's truth. It's another thing to obey it and go and do something in our life because of it. It's the difference between believing and trusting God. And there's a difference. And that's what Jonah's facing. He believes in God's word. He knows it's God's word, but he doesn't trust God's word. And so he runs. And I want to distinguish it with a parable, the parable of the man on the tightrope. Let's go to the next slide. Yeah, see, there's a popular metaphor that uses the imagery of a person walking across a tightrope across Niagara Falls. As you watch the person walk across a tightrope, you see them do it. And if I were to turn to you and say, do you believe this person can walk across a tightrope over Niagara Falls? After watching them do it, what would you say? Do you believe they can do it? What would you say? You would say, yeah, I just saw him do it. Good. Now, imagine in the parable, I'd turn to you and say, now will you get on? His back and let him carry you cross. <laughs> yeah And so that's trust. <laughs> that's trust. It's one thing to believe God's truth, it's another thing to trust it, because trust is allowing God say, "Go go and talk to that person. Go and put your friendship on the line and ask them if you can pray for them. Go and reach out to that person and find common ground with that person who has the opposite political views as you. Their political views are gonna bring this world, this country to the depths of failure, but I want you to go find common ground with that person. That's what I'm talking about. That's what it is for Jonah. Look, look, I want to spell out what it meant for Jonah to go to Nineveh. Let's walk through that list real quick. The list, I have like three points on the list. What Nineveh represented for Jonah. For Jonah, Nineveh represents those who are a threat to national security. Oh, is that getting a little close to our situation? Now, I'm going to be real with you guys. Part of why I'm doing this series is because I know that 2025 elections is coming. Oh, yes, we do, don't we? And that means the whole circus is coming to town. All the usual suspects are going to be coming out and doing their juggling acts and their clown routines and walking their tight ropes and showing us their amazing death skill of manipulation and trickery and whatever. I'm being cynical, but in all seriousness, I'm just playing. It, it, we're coming up on election season, and a lot of really important really important topics are gonna come up and the question of who has the best solution. And not only that, but who is going to absolutely destroy our country with their policies, right? It's not just about who has a better solution. It's also about the fear that someone else's political um, agenda is gonna ruin our country and ruin our lives and ruin our children. Do you know what I'm talking about? And so a lot is at stake. What I love about Jonah is that the Assyrians, Nineveh is a clear threat to their national security. And God doesn't go, oh, avoid those guys because they're dangerous. They skin people alive and have been taxing the Israelite people for over a hundred years, literally. So stay away from those guys. No, God's like, hey, Nineveh, I mean, Jonah, I want you to go there. I want to tell you a fact that maybe I didn't mention earlier. Jonah is the only prophet in the entire Old Testament that has ever sent to another nation, ever. And so Jonah could have been like, you never asked anybody else to do this. (laughs) Why? Why am I, why me? It is a politically charged issue that he is asking Jonah to enter into. And implicit in the call, is God's mercy for Nineveh. Because if God wanted to drop the bomb on Nineveh, he could just do that. He doesn't need to send a prophet to warn them. He only warns people so that they can repent and turn. And we'll see that. But I think this starts to touch into some areas for us, national security and political solutions to problems around the border, for example, and immigration, right? It gets kind of sensitive. How do we carry a kingdom view? How do we carry God's conviction and his compassion with us into those spaces. Notice God is not pretending like Nineveh is a perfect group of people. Hey, go to Nineveh. They're so awesome. They just need a little nudge. He's like, no, I see their wickedness. He's clear about the truth of their condition, but he's like, go because I want to renew those people. And there's hope for those people. I love that. What does that look like for you? How about this one? They represent those who are different from him racially and religiously. So they're a different racial, religious group. And then thirdly, there are those who are evil before God. So in all these ways, God is asking Jonah to reach out to them. And it speaks to this. It speaks to the fact that as we follow Jesus, God is going to want to stretch our lives so that we become more and more able to find common ground with people who are increasingly different from us. Let me say that again. The telltale sign of someone who is walking with Jesus Christ is their growing capacity to find common ground with people who are more and more different than them throughout the course of their life. Some of us are on a trajectory that's like this. (laughs) I can only relate to you if you wear my favorite shoes, right? If you have my same hobbies, if you look like me, if you vote like me, that isn't sacrificing your conviction. It's learning to carry the two because who cross a greater gap of difference than Jesus Christ. And when you follow Jesus, you're going to become like him and you're going to grow and you're going to be stretched and you're going to be challenged. You're going to be uncomfortable to find common ground with people who hold political views that are about to ruin our school district, our country, and our lives. Yes, that is God. Watch out. Listen to this scripture, John 1:14. Listen to this, you guys. The word became flesh. Let's read it out loud. This is such a good scripture. Let's read it. Ready? The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Renewal happens in our life when we learn how to integrate God's grace and his truth. And when you are living in God's grace, it compels you towards people who are far from God. I'm going to to say this again. It is impossible to grow in the grace of God and to not be compelled by the Holy Spirit to reach those who are different and hold views that are so opposite yours because that is not even an ounce of what God had to do to reach us. And that's God's grace for you the same grace that reached you that bridged the impossible gap between you and God is the same grace that is sending you to bridge that impossible gap with your spouse, with your neighbor, with your children. And so as we go through this series, my hope is it's going to equip us and strengthen us to to know how to carry both The truth of God, there is evil, there is wickedness, there is sin in the world and in our life. And we have to be clear about that. But secondly, the more aware we become of God's perspective of sin, it should be humbling us. It should be uprooting self-righteousness in us and making us into the most gracious, loving, compassionate people that are able to find common ground with people who are further and further away from us. That is God's agenda for you. How do you feel about that? I want to invite the band to come on out. As the band comes out, hey, I'm doing okay with time. I want to wrap it up. As the band comes out, I just want to invite you to ask yourself two questions. Number one, where do you struggle with God's word in your life? And number two, what is that Nineveh for you? What is that group of people that holds a value system, an ideological system that holds a a position that is hard for you to relate to and find common ground with? Where is that stretch of compassion gonna be for you as we head into the 2025 elections, right? Is it gonna be hard for you to find common ground with a Christian who holds a different political view than you? We have Christians in this room that are Democrats. Oh, watch out. We got Christians in here that are Republicans. I'm not trying to say that um, you're, you're not carrying your view and that you're wrong in your view. It's about how we carry it. Because in the end, the story of Jonah is about the way in which believers carry God's truth without compassion and drive the world away from God. And maybe that's you. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not running from God. You're, you've been running from the church. Because the way some believers have carried truth, like Jonah, has been so hurtful and so devoid of God's compassion that it's made it hard for you to even believe that God would have anything to do with the church. I mean, maybe you're carrying pain. I want to invite you to open your heart to God right now. Man, I believe that God wants to bring renewal to our families, our marriages, our friends, and our world. I believe absolutely that every generation need this own revival. And I believe that this generation is due for a huge movement of God. We're going to watch the story of God reaching an entire city that was as far from him as could possibly be. But before God can do that, he's got to reach his own people. He's got to renew our hearts and our lives so that we are able to carry the presence of God with us into the world. And sometimes there are ways in which we carry our conviction that leaves God behind. And sometimes there are ways that we carry compassion that leaves God's truth behind. And we need both. And when God's people are energized and renewed by God's grace and truth, when there are breakthroughs in our life of the truth of God in our life and his grace in our life, it allows us to be his agents of renewal in our world. But it starts here with us. There's nobody God cannot reach. There's no city God cannot renew. And there's nobody God cannot use to accomplish his purposes. We're going to have a prayer team right up here in the front. We're going to wanna pray for you. And I want to invite you. If they're specifically, I want to reach out. If you raise your hand at the beginning of service, before you leave, I'm just going to ask you, come up and let us pray for you really quick. Debbie is not going to try to sell you a North Coast Calvary Chapel timeshare. She is just going to want to pray with you, make moment more real and memorable. We have free gifts for you. Let us pray for you. Come up. If your friend raised their hand, come up with them. Get around them. Let's pray for each other. And um, if there is disappointment and hurt from the church that needs healing, would you come up as well and let us pray for you? All right, I'll see you guys outside with lollipops. God bless you.